This is the KPRC podcast. I'm your host, Rahim Al Mazidi. We often hear people talking about mindfulness, but what is mindfulness really about? Is there a strong evidence base behind its use in a clinical setting? Who will benefit the most from mindfulness-based cognitive therapy? Join me and program director Dr. Amar Saiq as we discuss this topic and more. We will be referring in this talk to a study entitled Mindfulness-Based Third-Wave Cognitive and Behavioral Therapies versus Treatment as Usual for Depression by Churchill et al., published in July 2014. Dr. Amal, thank you for giving us some of your time today. Thank you for giving me this opportunity and I'm here uh, to help you and be on this uh, uh, podcast. Uh, and hopefully be helpful for you and for the listeners. Thank you so much. And I'm really looking forward to talking about mindfulness because uh, you've, disc- you've told me before that you focused on mindfulness during your residency and, um, and hopefully we can talk about other forms of psychotherapy that might be relevant to our clinical practice as residents in the future. Sure, sure, inshallah. So Dr. Ammar, when we, you provide me with a study that I will cite during the podcast. Um, what do we mean when we say the third wave of CBT? Okay. So when we talk about mindfulness therapy, the term we use for this kind of therapy is third wave uh, psychotherapy. It includes mindfulness, ACT, which is acceptance and commitment therapy, the mindfulness-based cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, stress relief therapy. This kind of called third wave. So how we got there? So the psychotherapy kind of started in the, in the early 1900s uh, year with the Freud when he came with the psychoanalysis and then came the psychoda- psychodynamic psychotherapy and all the theories that came around at that era. Uh, they were focusing mainly on that uh, they came from uh, or started in early childhood. So they were digging, when you go to psychotherapy, they were digging in your past history to look for what caused this problem, that mm-hmm. neurosis, depression, anxiety. And they believed at that time, if we, kind of, if we are aware of our past, if we know the origin of our mental illnesses, that will solve our problem. But that, that was not the case with everybody. Even if you, you know, if you knew your past, if you knew what happened in your early childhood, that didn't solve your mental illnesses or your issues. So the second wave came in in the 1970s uh, with uh, Peck and uh, other psychologists who developed the behavioral uh, therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy. And that was and also uh, interpersonal psychotherapy, which focused on here and now and your thoughts, your behavior. And they believed at that time, if we change these, your cognitive schemas, what you're thinking about, how you see the world, how you perceive the environment around you, that will solve your depression, anxiety. Psychoanalysis works for some patients, CBT worked for some patients, but what this, there's something missing there, there's mm-hmm. something that still didn't complete the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, in the 1980s, uh, uh, it came the era of the Prozac, or like the uh, happy pill, where everybody in the state was prescribed Prozac to help them at that time. So that's kind of, when the, the, because before that you have the tricyclics, like the chlorpromazine era, a good medication, but it came with the price of a side effect. Okay. But in the 1980s came the Prozac, that's the kind of the magic pill that can solve everything. So if it was prescribed off the counter, so any patient, who, anybody who felt sad will take a Prozac. Mm-hmm. But that proved it was, was not the solution for everything. Mm-hmm. So in the 1990s, they started looking for something that kind of complete the puzzle picture, something that's missing. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, initially it came actually not from psychiatry, it came from uh, neurology or medicine, uh, where they found that spiritual thing will help heal pain. So it was uh, uh, John Kapitzen who started this. He went to, I think, uh, China or Asian countries where he kind of mi mixed with um, uh, Buddha's uh, practice and the sort of kind of these kind of practices, which he felt that it, it helped patients. And he brought it to the States and kind of modernized it. And he uh, provided, it, provided kind of mindfulness therapy or stress relief therapy for patients with back pain, chronic back pain. And he found that was helping a lot of these kind of patients heal. Despite these patients having multiple uh, pain medication, they didn't work well for them. And when they added this kind of touch of kind of mindful th mindfulness therapy, mm -hmm. it kind of helped, it didn't take the pain completely away, but kind of helped the patient live with the pain and have a better life kind of condition, uh, living uh, situation with this kind of pain. So a um, couple of psychologists, including Zindel Siegel, who kind of uh, from the University of Toronto, kind of liked this idea and they wanted to incorporate it into cognitive behavioral therapy. And that when they developed the mindfulness-based cognitive behavioral therapy, it's a mix between uh, CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, and mindfulness practice. So mixing these together, they found kind of helped uh, some of the patients who didn't respond well on CBT alone or CBT plus medication mm -hmm. and kind of provide this kind of uh, extra nudge or extra kind of push to help this patient uh, live better with their uh, mental condition or psychiatric conditions. So that's what came with uh, the, the term third wave CBT, okay. where they kind of wanted to move extra behind uh, conventional psychotherapies. Okay. Um, so the study you mentioned, uh, Dr. Ammar, also spoke about antidepressants and how they were uh, efficacious for acute depression, um, uh, but the adherence is low, and that's why, and be mostly because of side effects and possible patients worry about possible dependency. Uh, and the study also mentions that some surveys show that patients prefer psychological therapies over antidepressants, and this was Churchill and uh, Riedel Heller in 2005. So in your experience in Kuwait, would you say that we could sort of say this is also the case here? Um, to answer this question, we need to know where this comes from, what's the background of this kind of uh, the adherence issue. So we don't have an, uh, a formal study that uh, measures the adherence to medication in Kuwait. Mm -hmm. But worldwide, we know that in psychiatric uh, uh, patient, the adherence, even with antidepressant, it's ranged from 20% to 60% at the maximum adherence. So 60% of patients at the maximum studies have, uh, are adherent daily with their medication. It's, as you said, as you mentioned, it's either to side effects or just patients forgetting to take their medication, or once they get better, they start stopping their medication, or they, do, they don't see that uh, staying in the medication is going to be helpful to prevent relapses. So I believe the same thing may be happening here in Kuwait, although as I said, we don't have a formal study that measures this in Kuwait. Mm -hmm. But from my experience, that clinically seeing the patient in the clinics and in the hospital and outside the hospital, I think this is the same, uh, same thing happening in Kuwait. Zindel Sigal, part of his uh, reason why he chose mindfulness-based therapy, he was looking for something to help these patients stay on their medication or also to, pre to help these patients prevent relapse. They were not looking for an acute treatment for their, uh, for their depression, depression. Mm -hmm. because we already have, we know medication works well, and also kind of behavioral therapy for uh, certain cases works well and kind of good, their acute depression. Mm -hmm. So the more kind of mindfulness-based uh, kind of therapy is designed for long-term prevention of relapse and also 
treat kind of residual symptoms that may stay after treatment of acute episode of depression and anxiety. Okay. Um, so before we go deeper into mindfulness, and, and we know that there are many different types of psychotherapies um, in general, psychodynamic, behavioral, uh, cognitive approaches. Uh, could What differentiates them from each other, Dr. Ammar, and where would we possibly use each? Okay. So first we have to what something common between them. Yeah. They all work. The reason for them to work, for all this kind of therapy to work, is what we call the therapeutic alliance. If you have this kind of therapeutic alliance, most of the studies done for psychological uh, therapies, they found the main factor that makes this therapy works is therapeutic alliance between the therapist mm-hmm. and the patient. Mm-hmm. So what's differentiate them? I just mentioned like there's therapies that focus on the root of your problem, like psychoanalysis, psychodynamic psychotherapy, where they look in your past, what caused your problem, cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, interpersonal psychotherapy, look at here and now, what's happening in your mind, what kind of, of thoughts the, you the have. Present, and present yes. Okay. So more here and now, the present, what's going on in your mind, what's causing you to feel depressed, what feel make you anxious, and they try to kind of correct this kind of uh, thinking process. Uh, mindfulness-based therapy, which or kind of uh, meditation therapy, they're focusing on more the spiritual aspect of our life and how can we live with our problem and accepting our feelings and accepting our uh, thoughts without kind of need to resist these thoughts and which kind of maybe make us feel more depressed and more anxious if we're just trying to resist this kind of thought. So, uh, and to say who's his for yeah. this is based on the patient, what kind of symptoms he has, what his preference, and the therapist, what he's experienced. At. Okay. So can both ki- all kind of therapists can work, but it's, it's a matter of what kind of illness, what kind of patient, and the therapist choices. Okay. So from what I understand, so some people might benefit more than with focusing right now on the current problem and some you, you would maybe have uh, the opportunity to, un, to use other techniques in psychodynamics. And, yes. and some therapists actually use what we call eclectical therapies, okay. kind of a mixture between psychodynamics, psychoanalysis, nice. CBT and mindfulness. This kind of some advanced therapists use this kind of techniques. It's called oh. eclectical therapy, so a mixture a bit f- uh, from, each. from each therapy together provides to the patient. Wow, okay. Um, so, uh, Dr. Amar, I'd like you to share with us possibly some of your uh, work on mindfulness. Um, what is mindfulness-based cognitive therapy? How can we use it? And who benefits the most from it? Okay. So, my experience came during my training in Toronto while I was doing my residency. I, I came across a supervisor who was doing mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. It's kind of uh, appealing for me to kind of, I wanted to know more about it. So I did some uh, therapy with him and I kind of liked it. I found that it's actually, it's not that difficult and it's maybe actually part of our life, but we are not aware of it. So for example, uh, like what includes in mind- mindfulness-based therapy is just being aware of what you're doing. So when you're eating, I know now with the uh, uh, fast uh, lifestyle we have now, we eat quickly while we're chatting on the phone or while we're typing on our computers or eating while watching TV. So we, we're we not even uh, tasting the food we're eating. We don't feel the taste of the food we're eating. So mindfulness is more kind of being aware of what you're doing right now or uh, uh, moment to moment in your life. So when you're eating, try to kind of focus on uh, what you're eating, chewing, f- tasting the food, appreciating food more. Uh, like when you're walking, sometimes you drive a car from your home to work and you may pass across uh, a car accident or something and you're not aware of it because your your mind is busy thinking about something else. 
So mindfulness is just being aware of your environment, just appreciating things more, seeing life, like, and just trying to kind of see things around you and living the moment instead of just your mind is wandering around thinking about other stuff. So the goal of mindfulness is just being more aware of your environment, things going around you. And then we're shifting this to your thoughts. So uh, you're more, more being aware of your thoughts. So an example we use here, like say, um, you're driving a car and you're, go, you know, you're in a rush going to work. Yeah. So you notice that all the traffic lights are red. So when you notice this, you start thinking, well, my, I have a, always a bad luck. I'm always kind of, uh, between, uh, compared to other people, I'm always kind of stuck with the red lights. Then you kind of, these thoughts move to another thing. Like you say, oh, that the other day I met this person and he did this to me. You do this kind of recollection of all these negative, uh, negative things that happened to you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you start uh, dipping into uh, depression. Mm -hmm. So sometimes being aware of this kind of train of thoughts stopping you from going to back into depression. This happens more with patients who have history of depression. They can start collect, re remembering or recollecting uh, events in the past that uh, had a negative impact on them and moving them into depression. Mm -hmm. So our goal is for this patient to be always aware of these, their thinking. And once they kind of go into this direction of negative thinking, they kind of put a hold to it and be more aware of their environment and their thinking and stopping this train of thought and trying to remember also the happy moments we went through because usually we only focus on the negative things, we don't remember the positive thing. So I, the example I use if you're driving and you're in a happy mood and you pass through this kind of red, tra red traffic lights, you're yeah. not kind of have this kind of negative thinking. And maybe every day you pass through green lights but you don't remember, you only remember the red mm -hmm. uh, traffic light. So initially in the, in the therapy we try to uh, train patients to be more aware of their uh, thoughts, their environment. So it, it starts with kind of simple uh, body scan exercise or more kind of a five minutes of silence. So, so there's no uh, uh, specific exercise uh, that, or like a, a one size fits all. Oh, okay. Every patient has uh, types to try several exercises before he finds out the one that suits him. That suits him the best. So there's yoga exercises, there's uh, relaxation exercises, mm -hmm. Some people prefer to listen to music and just sit there and relax. Uh, some patients prefer doing some uh, walking. Uh, some, some people prefer uh, the body scan exercise, muscle relaxation exercise. So there's different exercise. And during the mindfulness-based uh, 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 cognitive behavioral therapy course, we teach them several exercises. And at the end of that 12-week uh, course, they find out which one, the one suits them better and they continue on it. The goal is for them to do it regularly, so you get used to it. Okay. So there's no one exercise that fits everybody. Okay, okay. So there's like say re relaxation, mindfulness, mindful walking, yoga, all this kind of fit under the mindfulness therapy. Okay, okay. Um, do you remember any uh, specific uh, cases that you felt benefited the most out of uh, mindfulness-based uh, uh, therapy? Uh, I have a couple actually in Kuwait who kind of felt that oh. was helpful for them. Okay. Uh, uh, back there, uh, we, do, we do it in the courses, so usually don't follow them up after the, the therapy, but during their therapy, most of them felt, uh, they, they felt better during the therapy itself. Um, so, Dr. Amar, uh, so evidence uh, suggests that MBCT is important or useful for more of a relapse prevention mm -hmm. and not really for an acute uh, situation for depression. Uh, so, 
And, and they mentioned in the study that this is because they have low concentration and they have an intense negative thoughts. Uh, my question would be, why, why would you think this is the case? And what other applications of mindfulness-based uh, cognitive therapy uh, are possibly, uh, you know, we could use with some of our patients? So, uh, actually, when mindfulness-based therapy, uh, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy was developed, it was actually developed uh, for, patient, for patients who already have been treated for acute depression and they are out from their acute episode to, uh, uh, and was, uh, they, they were worried about relapse and they were trying to find a, medic, uh, a therapy to prevent relapse. So that's what's designed for. Uh, so that's how, how it's, most papers kind of focus on this. Uh, acutely, as you mentioned, uh, patients who have acute depression or anxiety, they, uh, the therapy itself requires the patient to be kind of aware of his uh, surroundings, able to concentrate, to focus, mm -hmm. and that's kind of difficult for a patient to have an acute depression. Uh, even with kind of behavioral therapy itself, although it's indicated for acute depression, in severe cases, you need to start medication beforehand before you can start cognitive behavior therapy because it requires a state of mind that's more clear and uh, able to focus. Okay, okay. And, and other uses for mindfulness-based? So mindfulness is a, or mind, uh, stress release therapy, mindfulness uh, stress release uh, was actually designed for uh, patients with chronic pain disorders. So that's with uh, fibromyalgia, uh, chronic back pain from injuries, and has been uh, applied to other kind of domains, like even like with uh, uh, people at work who are uh, suffering from stress, so the therapist will go there and do kind of a group uh, mindfulness exercises and they find they are relaxing. Um, uh, chronic illnesses like uh, patients who have uh, chronic cancer or something like that, they can all be helpful for them. It's not just for psychiatric disorder. That's the end of my questions. Uh, thank you, Dr. Amar. Thank, for thank you very much for coming. And